Welcome back to an emergency episode of Mad About Hoops. It's middle of big time tournament time for the conferences that we know and love. We do love the mid-majors, but the big ones are going on right now, Tim. What have you seen so far and what do you like? Well, I mean, this is just a fantastic time of year, right? I love I, I love all of the basketball. I don't know how much I loved Ohio State's finish at the Big Ten tournament. That was crazy, but th there's almost so many games that have gone on. It's it's a little bit hard to wrap your mind around them. I know I love UConn, who's been one of your teams. Interesting uh, situation, though, with one of their players. I, I loved seeing Seton Hall and Sandro Mamakulashvili have a nice game yesterday for the Pirates. As we're recording to you, 1025 in the morning on a uh, March 12th, which is a pretty important day now, milestone day in basketball history for what happened one year ago. But I'm, right. I'm just excited to watch it continue today, man. My, I, I crashed on the couch last night. I don't know about you. I didn't make it up to a bedroom. Well, I, I have an earlier show, so I actually have to be a little bit more cognizant of when I get up. So I actually had to force myself to bet after it was the Texas, Texas Tech game. And then I wanted to stay and watch a little bit of the Colorado-California game. But I just was not going to do that because USC and Utah went into like double overtime. So that was becoming a mess. Um, but yeah, no, another team, Texas is who we have to talk about because it's a final four talent type of team, but it's a first weekend exit type of inconsistency type of team, which is going to be really interesting to follow. Well, and there's a lot of those types of teams that we think are out there and that's, oh, that's yeah. what's going to be wild about the NCAA tournament because there are some teams that are playing very inconsistently late in the season. Some of them will find ways to push the buttons and get hot. It's it's going to depend on what we see with those brackets on Sunday afternoon, on Selection Sunday, and to see who gets maybe a better path. And I, I'll tell you one thing, with, with what I saw out of BYU earlier this week and how they challenged Gonzaga, they just, I don't know about you, man, but they look like they're smart, they're long, they've got Matt Harms, who you throw in there, who really can just stand in the paint and alter shots with it. I mean, the dude's seven foot three, and he can run up and down the court. He blocks shots like, uh, like anything. I wouldn't want to see BYU as a seven seed, say if you're an Ohio State type of team, in a two feeding into the seven. 10 matchup so it's gonna be interesting to see yeah I definitely agree with that that's a team you don't want to see in the second round if you're a one or a two seed I think there's quite a few teams that are like that one being Loyola Chicago that I've talked about a little bit before but we oh, do yeah. actually at some point we got to get into this cancellation for you or Virginia because that's a big big scenario because first off you don't know who's affected by the COVID uh positive test and number two it is currently Friday because of the NCAA rules where you have to have seven pot or seven negative tests days in a row before you can even travel to Indianapolis that could put Virginia's path to the NCAA tournament and a stranglehold well the other thing as we get into it is we got to talk about Dan Gavitt's wild comments from just a few days ago which are just weird as you're getting ready to start the NCAA tournament and then you can still have some comments of uncertainty like that and yes you mentioned Virginia and Duke being done so there's so much to get to conference tournament madness going on right now this is episode 39 of mad about hoops five to go Lewis has been awesome let's it go inbounds Turner left side of the backcourt Turner across the timeline throws it from high on the right he 
Open Tim, we were talking a little bit about what are some of the inconsistent teams that have Final Four potential, and I mentioned Texas in a very, very close game to the end against Texas Tech. Both are two really decent teams that have the Elite Eight Final Four potential, but they're so inconsistent. Right. I want to know what is your opinion. First off, I I know a lot about this Texas team. I've watched a lot of them. Texas Tech, I'm a little bit less knowledgeable about, but both of them do have the talent to make it to the distance. Yeah, they do. And if you look at where they finished, you know, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit confused as to why you're getting so cool on Texas right now, because if you oh, look I, at I'm not I'm not cool. OK, I think OK. When I reported back to them, they were kind of like a faller. They had a stretch where they lost like three of five. They've played a lot better. They've won some pretty good games since they beat Oklahoma, Kansas. Now they beat Texas Tech. They revenged the yeah. two losses yeah. to them. They had the talent. They have some of the best guards in the nation with uh, Greg Brown, uh, Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, uh, Matt Coleman. Coleman. And then they, yeah, love they have, Coleman. Uh, they have Jericho Sims down low. That's a really big feature for their offense. And then Kai Jones, who's the 6'10-ish like, wing player that can do almost everything. Like They are very, very skilled, but they just don't play consistent all the time. Yeah, but if you look like at the end, right, they did have the stretch there right before their final five games. They and, and look, they lost to Baylor, right? They lost on the road at Oklahoma State. They lost to Oklahoma by one point. The Big Twelve has been pretty similar to the Big Ten, right? It's it's not it's not as talented across the board, but a lot of these Big Ten, uh, excuse me, a lot of these Big Twelve teams have been kind of equals, you know. So they have feasted on each other. It's why you saw Oklahoma was able to rip off those three straight wins, but yet they're still a 15 and 10 basketball team, right? Texas at 11 and six in conference. That was really good. I mean, only Baylor and Kansas by one in the win column was better than Texas. They had the two point loss there to West Virginia. And now they're sitting on a stretch with the one point dramatic win over Texas Tech with Coleman getting to the free throw line there. I don't know how you like that call. I thought there was enough contact to send him to the line. I, there. I don't like don't watching like referees it. decide. Well, well, I don't instead I don't, of referee deciding a game, but, if you go to the basket have, and but, but there's contact. There's some, yes, there's somewhere you have to call it. But it just whether it's right or wrong, it just kind of makes me feel a little bit cringy inside. I, I understand. It was, it, was, it was the right call, though. But yes. put it this way. You could have our Big Ten refs who seem to call every <laughs> single bit of contact on the perimeter with a hand-checking foul. And then when there's contact at the rim, which seems like the easiest spot to call a foul for two shots, they swallow their whistles continually. It's just been the norm this season in Big Ten officiating. But Texas, I kind of feel good about. And it's just so crazy how they're here and – We've talked about Shaka Smart for a couple of years and how he decides to leave VCU. We were always, it was one of the biggest mysteries in college basketball and one of the more fun things to track, right? Like, when will some of these upper echelon Hall of Fame coaches, mainly you're talking about a Roy Williams and a Coach K, right? I There's some others out there, but it's about the program. You could even throw a Jim Beheim and Syracuse out there, too. Like, what job would Shaka Smart take? Because he could essentially 
write his own ticket. And Texas is always kind of one of those basketball programs that's hiding in the weeds. You know what I mean? You think of them for their football, but when you look at the athletic department as a whole and the resources they have, it's a lot like Ohio State where you might not be thinking about it. It's not at the front of your mind, but it's a great place to go, whether it's football or basketball. And Shaka didn't do very well in his first several years there. And the seat was getting pretty hot. So he mm. needed this season more than anything. And I really hope for him because I love him as a coach. I love his intensity. I love his personality. I love how he'll get into the thick of it. Like when they train with the SEALs, he'll do the training <laughs> with the team. You know, back when we read about that when he was the coach at VCU, he'll train mm. with the team. Like I like that from a guy. So I, I hope Texas makes a good run. I really do, too. I think they're around a three or a four right now. Um, you mentioned Oklahoma. Oklahoma is going to be a really interesting upset pick for a lot of people if they fall on, like, the 6-11 line. Yeah, six, maybe but, seven, uh, yeah. But just thinking about seed lines right now, and I was doing some research last night because we're doing this bracket party this weekend, and one of the biggest things that I've noticed is just, I mean, we talk about the 5-12 matchups, but we don't talk about how common it's become even more so in recent memory how often the 12 seeds win. I mean, in three of the past six tournaments we've had, three 12 seeds have won in each of those tournaments and three of the six. Like if you put that into perspective, that's how common that upset been. 12 seeds are winning 35% of the time since 1985. Like it's now becoming more consistent. And I, I think we have to start eyeing teams like a tech or Oklahoma, whether they fall in the five or the six line as possible teams that make sense to be the upset bids. I'm just wondering how much real stock do you put into statistics like that? You know what I mean? Because you're dealing with such an unpredictable event. Like you still have to do some deep dives into the teams, right? right. And who right. they are and what they've done maybe in the last week or so and high quality wins that they have. Do, do you really try to get crazy? Like with, with those stats, no. when you try to pick your bracket? No, not really. I mean, it's not like I'm going to say, well, whoa, whoa. I mean, Three in the last six, we've had three. So maybe this is a, this is the uh, right. this is the odd year where let's we go have all three, four so of them. I'm, let's go I'm all four fly. of them this time, right? No, no we don't do that. But I, I think it helps you really critically analyze all four five twelve matchups and decide which ones fit you because odds are it's going to happen. I think it's the only time it hasn't happened within recent memory was like 2015 within the last six or six to eight years. Like you're gonna get at least one is the odds you got to play. So you got to really analyze. Which of the teams on the 12 line look like they can make some type of real play? And we, shoot, here in our own kitchen, we had Ohio State. And you, if you talk about that 6-11 game, one of Chris Holtman's you know, best wins was upsetting the Iowa State team, yeah. upsetting Iowa State as an 11 seed. And I just think that was such an important victory for him to keep that kind of tournament success and that consistency, even when you had a team that was the worst of the of the run you know I, I wouldn't say it was sure. a bad team it made the NCAA tournament and won a game they had to fight scratch and claw I think that was that was the Keyshawn Woods team right where That's they right. don't get into the tournament unless they do some things and win that last game of the regular season I think beat Indiana in the Big I think Ten that was tournament the, yeah the Big Ten tournament yes yeah, yeah. which oh, oh man since we just stumbled onto the Hoosiers hey we just stumbled yeah. onto the Hoosiers for a second we've had this thing in Columbus and so much of the fan base, you know, one of your former guys there, Archie Miller, who was doing his thing at Dayton, 
had the Elite Eight run, knocked you out, right? If you talk about head-to-head -head in that game where you can picture Aaron Kraft still doing sort of the, I guess you would call that the horizontal surrender Cobra because he was lying on his back looking up into the rafters doing the surrender Cobra move. Right. And they go down to Dayton. But now look at this. Archie Miller, he's gone. They wilted down. I mean, he's not gone. Indiana is gone this season. And uh, a lot I of speculation. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. we're talking about here. A lot of speculation about the future of Archie Miller, which I tweeted out is just going to be a little thing called you'll see. So, <laughs> I mean, and, and here's the thing. Jim Harbaugh-esque against his rival. 0-7 has not even beaten the Boilermakers, and you get way more That's opportunities good. to beat your rival in a basketball sense than you do in a football sense. They play twice every year. Yeah, this is a... Uh... I mean, unless if you're looking at the buyout and determining how that's going to be the determining factor, whether he stays or goes uh, on the court success, it's just not there. I mean, the tournament, obviously they would have probably made the tournament last year had they had it, but still I, I this far into his tenure already at IU, I don't really know if that's what you want to hang your hat on. Is that a, a possible tournament you would have had a run in? You don't even know for sure. Um, what I've been finding interesting is thinking about who they could replace him with, because I really don't know unless if like the Celtics fire Brad Stevens because other names I've heard is like wow. you know bring it bring it home like Steve Alford out of at Nevada I'm like oh my god I, I mean is and that he's like, never he's that, never gotten a the coach there you know right but at that point does that feel like is that worth the buyout if you're Indiana and I, I like I'm thinking around the landscape of college basketball maybe oppose maybe you go up to Illinois or Chicago and get Porter Moser out of uh, Loyola other than that, I, like I'm, I'm struggling to see that. what they, I, I'm struggling to see what they could do. I love that last one. Thinking yeah. about something realistically that you would have to think there's a lot of Indiana faithful that don't want any part of Steve Alford. That that would just feel weird. No, absolutely not. He's been he's been an okay college basketball coach, right? Okay to just good, like regular good. He's made some tournaments, but. He hasn't done anything special. Right. Yeah, he hasn't done anything special, made any deep runs. So I don't think Steve Alford is what is what you want to do there. But you you go with a bright up and comer like a Porter uh, Moser. That is that's speaking to me because you don't really quite know what the high end possibilities are. They are there because of how he's proving himself at a smaller school like Loyola Chicago. You would need to back up a Brinks truck to get him to do that. Cause I think he's got a nice thing. He's made in the shade with what he's doing up there in Chicago. Yeah, I agree with you. So we got about five minutes left in this very emergency style podcast before we have our big bracket reveal party on Sunday. And I, I just kind of want to dive in. I'm, I'm getting you on here tomorrow too. Yeah, I'm. I'm oh, that's I'm fine. Coming that's a, fine. I'm coming after you. This, this is too much. We might do three podcasts tomorrow while we're just kicking back and watching basketball. It's the weekend, baby, and we're just having some fun. <laughs> that's. Uh, we might have to do that earlier in the day, but sounds good to me. Um, I, I do want to know what is your initial kind of projection on how we're going or like what is when we get towards Sunday what is going to be the biggest defining factor when what do you expect to see when that bracket comes out like what is something you really expect to be surprised by so, okay, something I expect to be surprised by all right that's a wild question my man so 
as I as I look at everything, as I look at the bracketology reports that Joe Lenardi has been bringing out, I'm I'm really focused on the Big Ten and how mm-hmm. you have Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, and Ohio State. Ohio State and Iowa holding on a two line. Illinois and Michigan as top seeds. I want to know, you know, is there a certain type of mayhem that can happen in the Big Ten tournament? Ohio State wins it, say. Like, or what would they have to do to go back up to the one line or fall possibly to the three line? And they got that first win against Minnesota. So we're not going to know now what would have happened if they lost their first one out. Would they drop to a three? But right. now I just want to know, like, ultimately where they're going to land and how those other teams fall. Illinois and Michigan, you think, are pretty safe. And same with Iowa. It's just. It's just getting to the final bracket and seeing how many upper echelon Big Ten teams. Just having that, just being able to see it there on paper, you know, and say, wow, Mm -hmm. like they really did have four teams that are two seeds or better. It's just, it kind of speaks to what this Big Ten was and to see how many Big Ten teams ultimately get in as well and what their paths are. That's what I'm looking at. I think what I'm looking towards is something we don't really think of because it's such an odd year, but because of how the year is, this is actually a, a real possibilities. What at large team is going to possibly fall to like a 13 seed? Because we don't have the, uh, the Ivy league this year. So that automatic big is taken out. We have an extra at large team this year. And then you have automatic qualifiers like Loyola, maybe a Winthrop that are going to move to the 12 line or higher, which is going to push some teams down the board. I'm wondering what four seed's going to look across at their 13 seed and get kind of the chills looking at it. Okay, that is interesting. You know, and as I that's that's not something that I've focused on, Evil, that that you bring up. Like I look at I look at Lenardi's bracket projections and I don't see a 13 getting an a uh, an at large bid. He's got all of those as AQs, but he does have a 12, which you're which you're right is that's the, that's unusual. the thing is i think it's yeah. going to depend on what do they do with a team like winthrop do they move winthrop up to a 12 or do they keep him at a 13 keep him at a 13 yeah like he's got drake yeah. and utah state feeding into a 12 seed you know and and maybe we've had maybe and i we think those could that, but it could easily flip i i think very easily if you're sitting there with a utah state team that doesn't win their tournament championship and you have a winthrop that pretty much dominated their entire season that they could flip flop them yeah. Possible, but it's probably not likely. Your your quick take on these comments from Dan Gavitt, who, uh, look, this is his responsibility, right? This is his job to set the table for the NCAA tournament, to have the answers, and to know how this thing is going to run. Like we said, we've had Duke and Virginia. Very sad to see. Drop out of the ACC tournament. Duke is now going to miss it. Like, were you – you were barely alive the last time Duke – didn't make an NCAA tournament. I was still running bracket was pools. 90, was that 96? Yeah. 96, was, was 94? 24 years ago. Yeah. 24 years ago was the last time yeah. Duke wasn't in an NCAA mm-hmm. tournament. I was a 13-year-old kid running the bracket pools in middle school, and I think I'd upped the buy-in to, from $5 to $10 at that point in time. So to see that they don't get that game against Florida State, and it's just one positive test with a walk-on. You mm-hmm. saw Mark Titus's tweets about that. Pretty funny. 
that's just that's sad. And now Virginia, they're out of the semifinal. You see the it word, is. you see the the title uncontested now on the box scores for these games on the internet. And you've got Dan Gavitt saying that all a team needs to play in this year's tournament is five healthy players. How about a coach? The AP mm-hmm. uh, article writes, the NCAA will get back to you on that. His comment about that was, honestly, it's probably something we should talk about as a committee. I mean, you're kind of coming up on it. You mean to tell me that you're going to go and Hoosier that thing? Coach Normandale, my team is on the floor, even though it's not four players, but five, no bench. Mm-hmm. We got teams bowing out with one positive. So I think those are some ridiculous things to say. What the heck's going on, Evil? Yeah, my final point on this, and then I got to get out, but it's, uh, I think they're kind of leaving it that wide open to where you can go down all the way to five players and then how many coaches they'll ever decide it to be. It's because I think they're that confident in the environment they're creating there. And I mean, like they have the bracelets, they're going to have players in their own rooms. It's going to be like a military style, like lockdown in there, because I think they're that confident that they would avoid A, a breakout and B, if somebody contracts, uh, gets the virus, there's not going to be very many contact tracing individuals around them because they're not going to let people be exposed for that long. I think it's the 15 minute window to be in that position. So I think they're confident enough in the way that they've set up the tournament that they won't have that issue, but obviously you can't rule anything out. They have to set the baseline, but I don't think we're ever going to get to that point. Well, we have a positive. That's a different story, but I do believe we won't have anything that would like kick a team out. They'll keep it into a way that it's going to limit the spread. Well, it's been a conference tournament quickie. We've got all the big conferences. We'll have some small conference championships coming up here this weekend as well. It's a Friday morning right here, March 12th, one year since the tournament was announced canceled. It was 4.16 in the afternoon when that came in. Did you just Dickie V me on your own podcast, for God's sakes? I got to run after this. That's what Dickie V used to do to us on radio interviews when it was time for him to go, oh, everybody, I really appreciate it, but I got to get a T.O. and I got to run, baby. We'd say, bye, Dickie, bye. We've last asked our well, last question. <laughs> well, you know, my, my guys here at the station, we got to do our show meeting and whatnot, so you know they're on my tail to get out and get ready for that. So, Man. yeah, I did kind of do that there. That's can't, my fault. Can't they let you have some fun and just do a podcast? Re- real quick, Buckeyes and Purdue, who's winning this one? I, uh, I've i mentally gone back and forth on this. Uh, my heart says Ohio State. My brain says Purdue. But I think the way that Purdue wants to play right now is that they believe that Edie's their more dominant player at the moment, while Trayvon Williams is a very good player. First First team, Big Ten, everything. But I think that the way they want to play is with Edie. I think Ohio State can somehow mitigate his effectiveness because he's gotten a little bit better with his hook shot, his more mid-range, if you can call it, for his range. But I think they can mitigate it just enough to where they can get the win. I I'm going to go Homer. I'll go Homer. Ohio State. Homer it. 75, Purdue 72. My dad's a Purdue fan, so you know the Buckeyes are going to win. He went <laughs> b- back up. Let me see that script shirt you got. It's beautiful. Back up a second. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, uh, yeah. it's, it's the, uh, yeah. It's great. Night. It's great. I'm wearing the same clothes from yesterday. I just I slept on the couch. I got up. I'm doing this with you. So that's how it goes. All right, everybody. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll be with you this weekend. Keep checking it. And the big bracket party at 971thefan.com from 7 to 9 on Sunday night. After the brackets come out, you do not want to miss our Mad About Hoops bracket party. So enjoy the madness, everybody. This has been episode 39 of Mad About Hoops.